You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo Season 2 based on the Watching Now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. <laughs> Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is, is it over yet? Reach is f***ed. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive. She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. Is the water on this planet? What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew? Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Screen Smash. I'm your host, Dan Morris, and joining me this evening, I have Nick McKay. What up? Louis Reza. Wahoo! Sorry. New I'm Mike. still on last <laughs> episode. <laughs> New Mike, Louis Reza. And uh, coming back to the show, joining us once again, we have Alex McCumbers. Hello, Alex. Back by popular demand. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Ah, cha cha. <laughs> One of my favorite memes ever with that little possum that's just like, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, welcome to the show. This is Screen Smash Couch Soup's one and only video game podcast. You can catch us every Friday over on YouTube, Couch Soup. And you can watch us live on Twitch, even, and watch the show raw. Right? Raw. Raw and unfiltered. Send it in raw. And possibly slightly less quality <laughs> because of Twitch reasons. <laughs> Very true. So tonight, uh, Alex is here to join us in regaling and getting all whimsical thinking about some of our childhood favorite video games. Which is interesting because when I started thinking about how we're going to go over this topic, it's like, well, what's childhood for you? Because Mm. childhood for some of us is a very specific category of video games and for others it might be a completely different category so we could get some pretty interesting answers here uh but to start us off we're going to talk about the favorite games that we loved as kids uh Mm. so who was going to take this one away nick you want to get us started all right i'll get us started um so my favorite games as a kid, I very much, I think I gravitated towards like the 3D platformers, but like the the sort of wholesome family-friendly 3D platformers. I loved like the Sonic games. I was a huge fan of the Sonic games. I loved the Spyro of the Dragon games. Like Year of the Dragon is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love those games, like the Crash Bandicoot games as well. Um, I was addicted to those. I, I'm not so crazy about Crash Bandicoot now, and in terms of what they've done with it, but the games that I had, like that to me was like 
like we all remember like the Saturday morning cartoons kind of thing. Like Crash Bandicoot for me was the Saturday morning gaming session. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love that. Warped is like my absolute favorite. That's the third one with where you could use Coco and there was all mm -hmm. the powers. Man, dude, Crash Bandicoot was good back in the day. But I also loved uh, Jack and Daxter. I have to shout out that game as well. That game on the PS2 was or that series of games on the PS2 was was really, 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 really cool. But another another like bunch of games I loved for like a very specific reason um, is the like the the old Final Fantasies and like that mm -hmm. sort of turn based RPG era. Um, uh -huh. It was like like even before Final Fantasy seven, uh, there was a Digimon game as well that Ooh, yeah. I really loved. And I can I can never, ever remember the name of this game. But I love that Digimon game because it was like proper sort Explain of turn based, kind of like. Was it the first like, one? It's it's on PS. You get a bear. Was it a turn based there, and, and did you get a bear, like a bear in a hat? It, it yeah, that sounds familiar. It's turn based, kind of like a Final Fantasy that, like, like nine it's, presentation. It's very much, very much like a very much there, like there, Final it's Fantasy like game. Three things with a bear with a hat. That's all you get. <laughs> Mm, that is definitely <laughs> Digimon World 3, unless you were raising a pet, which is the first one. Yeah. Or you're doing like a mystery well, dungeon, Digimon which is World the second sucks. one. And there was a lot of dungeon. I remember you that. You were in a little vehicle, and we you had to be lot. like a little like drill vehicle yes. thing. And yeah, okay, that's the second one. There's a Vidramon on the front of that one. I adore these games. One. We found this game from my childhood. I'm so happy. Memory, anyway, yeah, so core memory. Right, so that, that, that uh that turn-based rpg sort of like style of game i loved and for a very specific reason because all of my friends at the time were playing all like the card games like they were playing pokemon mm. and magic the gathering and i loved the idea of these card games like it was so cool but for the life of me i couldn't figure them out magic the gathering is still one of the most confusing things i've ever seen in my life and i could never figure out these card games and i wanted to play <laughs> them but i just i couldn't so from bye louis <laughs> see you bro do we ever talk about magic? <laughs> I never said it was Come bad. On, I just said I couldn't understand it. I'm not smart <laughs> enough. But I, I wanted to play these games so bad because I love the whole turn-based idea. So these RPG games, like the Final Fantasies, the Digimon World 2, I love that because it felt mm -hmm. like I could kind of play these games. And it was kind of that outlet for me. And I had like I had like this turn-based thing that I could play. So yeah, those are my games. I love those. Yeah. Turn-based when we were kids were kind of a big deal because there's not a lot of like skill involved to make those games work, right? Like you could be bad at Sonic, you, you could be bad at Mario. Mod, you have to think about it. Hmm. <laughs> You'll figure out Pokemon eventually. <laughs> I broke my hand. <laughs> Jesus oh. Christ! Like my my wrist, like about twenty years ago, because <laughs> I'm young. And uh, there there was this point where actually, go figure. We were showing off our our cool tech to each other and here's my PS yeah. PSP this is my souped up P uh PSP and my awesome cousin got me but anyway um uh my my first PSP I had actually had uh like I had this thing that I was trying so hard I'm gonna stick with my to <laughs> to find um what's it called again uh to to find uh turn-based games because since I couldn't really operate with one wrist I, I was just playing the game like this and I couldn't do, you know, my fast pace as usual. And so I, I was looking for, for those turn-based games. And I, I remember I had turned away from them for so long, maybe about like five years at the time or something like that, but you know, so long when you're a kid that like, it, it was this random 
huge surge of nostalgia that even as like a 22 21 year old louis was just like oh my god i remember like (laughs) (laughs) and yeah man like those those turn base like if you get a good one one that actually makes you strategize one that actually makes you think or it's like do i have to waste a whole turn just healing or do i like you know yeah go for broke man (laughs) it feels feels like being on the line like in football where it's like all right you're you know your however inches and yards and like you know do you go for it or do you just get the kick off like what do you do man like oh god i i I remember that a final fantasy hail mary is super satisfying (laughs) i remember playing like like final fantasy 10 i think was when i really started to use that where you start like you waste a whole turn of your whole party just to buff and debuff and heal Mm -hmm. and then you go ham like the next turn like i love that sort of like bait and switch and and strategy i honestly never played a, a turn-based game until final fantasy 7 i think that was the first time i played a wow. turn-based game and i remember being like what is this what am i doing why is what's with the bar Blah, this is slow and weird and yeah i i don't think i ever played any of the other i don't believe i ever tried a proper turn-based game before that 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 remember. definitely was my introduction. I'm not gonna lie. That was my intro. But after that, I was like, whatever game is turn based, man. This is real video games, dude. You guys don't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think when I play. <laughs> <laughs> I get smarter. Okay. I don't like you literally these games do. for like, like children. Like <laughs> I owe a lot of my reading comprehension and love of literature because I was just inundated with it, even in video games. Because I know love- I I've actually, and Pokemon and stuff. I've said that before too. That I've Thanks actually used that. video games as a like this. This taught me things and helped me become smarter because of classic games like Metal Gear Solid and Resident Evil. Mm. I remember telling teachers about Resident Evil because I was like, they'd be like, "Why do you get so in these video games?" And I'm like explaining it to them, and I would tell them like, "Well, there's a lot of reading in these games." And they're like, mm-hmm. "Well, how so?" And I'd explain to them how in Resident Evil you pick up like the notes and the memos and you do reading all this lore about what happened. And I'm like, and then you've got Metal Gear on the other side that's like going deep and hard on science and information and technology. And like history. I heard so many words. There's this. a lot of history in Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. I've also heard massive words I've never heard before playing mm-hmm. Metal Gear. And it's like, what does this even mean? What is nuclear? I know that's argument look in the in the dictionary clear like nuclear what what's dna what's uh genomes like what are these things they're talking about like Mm -hmm. but yeah they go so hard on all that stuff when when i first played parasite eve i swear on my life when like i played when the game came out like I, i was waiting i remember waiting for it to come out and i got it and i played it and i remember in school I was learning about mitochondria. I was learning about cell division. I was learning about <laughs> all of that at the same time. And so, like, uh, I remember explaining the game to somebody, like, you know, like, oh, people just generally know this information. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. Is that possible? Like, what? Like, like what? Yeah, yeah, of course it's possible. I mean, we're just learning. I'm in seventh grade, you jerk. Of course it's possible. (laughs) Man, to this day, when I hear people going like, is that even true? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. Can I share at the same time? (laughs) I have an interesting anecdote to go along with that too, because I spent so much of my childhood playing video games and consuming any video game I could. And there was this weird time for me when I had gone into college 
I, I went to college a little late. So I was a little bit older by the time I went to college. And I was in the classrooms with, you know, like 17, 18 year olds fresh out of high school. And I was in my early 20s, maybe later. And I remember going into a, one of my classrooms and uh, I think I forget which class it was, but the teacher was talking about like Greek mythology subject material. And um, she said something about um, what, what's a Gorgon? Like she was talking about Gorgons. Mm. And yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Gorgon, just like uh, from uh, God of War with the Gorgons. And it's like, just like the, uh, the Greek mytho mythological beast that I'm blanking on now. I'm, I are also called gorgons yeah Medusa's the Medusa, character. that's the one i'm looking for medusa yeah. and i literally had a group of these kids out, fresh out of high school look at me and go how did you know that and i'm like how do you not know that mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like i learned that from god of war i had something similar and uh like we were studying the Gilgamesh poem in one of our literature classes in mm. college. And my teacher had pulled up all these different images of various pop culture and like images of Gilgamesh. One of them was from Final Fantasy VIII. And I'm like, Professor, did you know yes! that one's from a video game? And he's like, what? And I'm like, has been in that video game series <laughs> for years. Mm. <laughs> and so it was interesting to see like the original story of that type of thing. And, and that's what I remember growing up with was like, you know, the Final Fantasy series. I really loved medieval stuff. Um, played a lot of Pokemon. Basically, the Game Boy was like my pride and joy growing up. And then I, I loved the ability to like take my Game Boy game and put it in my Super Nintendo. It was the coolest thing I, I could imagine. Oh, and this is me, Super Game Boy. This little me. I was like oh. eight. <laughs> yeah. I remember being extremely sick one Easter. Couldn't even go outside while everybody's doing their thing. Stayed indoors, played Pokemon Silver. Found Lugia on my own and immediately called my friend because it was the most mind blowing thing I'd ever seen. I'm like, you're never gonna believe this. Here's how you get to it. <laughs> Just talking about like games in school, I remember playing like the Assassin's Creed games, and like mm. they were pretty historically accurate apart from the assassins and sure. stuff. But like it was cool. You go to school and like I remember playing Assassin's Creed two, and we were learning about the Renaissance in history class, and we were like, yeah, hey. Leonardo da Vinci's in the game and like this guy's in the game and this guy's in the game and then like I think the one of my friends said one day to the teacher like Leonardo like I think she asked the question of like what did da Vinci do and she was trying to say like you know he painted the Mona Lisa he did this and this and he's like no he helped Ezio with his gadgets she was like uh that's not in the textbook <laughs> he made a flying machine Ezio what? Ezio Auditore de Firenze what do you, what, you don't know this guy? Come on. how do you not know this guy? <laughs> he has an uncle his name is Mario it's a me Mario now you can get like an educational mode in some of those Assassin's Creed games I think that started yeah. in the Egyptian one it's crazy yeah Origins had that for the first time I've always yeah. been a champion of games in education and literature. Like, I think games literacy is still a ways off, but I've like, I can remember being little and being like, no, this is where our stories are going to come from is games books too. But yeah. like, it's also going to be games just as it is movies. I've been an advocate of uh, gaming for mental health for a long time too, because I actually, mm -hmm. I eventually went on and got my bachelor's degree in psychology and I wrote my final thesis on usage of video games for mental health and therapy. <laughs> and like, it was a, a matter of like breaking it down to like, is it good? Is it bad? But I was basically sure. saying that I think in the long run, and it's been since then, like 
video games are constantly being put to use for physical therapy, mental therapy. You know, there's all these Visual different therapy usage. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many different things that uh, video games are able to help people with. Um, yeah, I just I was going to back up to <laughs> go back to our core topic at the moment. We're saying like our favorite games as our kid as kids, mm-hmm. um, which Louie, I know you started to touch on a little bit. We haven't quite like started going on it specifically, but I'll just go ahead and roll in of like as a kid, like some of my fondest memories were with my Super Nintendo, my N64, my PlayStation one, uh, Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. All time, all time. Whoa. Absolute favorite. Like I can't not get nostalgic. I can't not get just like happy tears in my eyes thinking about Donkey Kong Country and the fond, fond memories I have playing that game. And then leading into like I was a diehard Nintendo kid when I was growing up. And like we had a Nintendo, we had Nintendo, Super Nintendo, 64, all of that. And it wasn't until a friend of mine who had a PlayStation showed me Resident Evil 2 for the first time. And that opened me up to Resident Evil and PlayStation and all these other phenomenal games out there. And that's where I got into playing Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, like Spyro was my jam. There was this really weird, like one-off action adventure game I played. I think it was called Kingsley's Quest on the King's PS4? Quest. Is it King's? from software? King's Quest. Yep. No, 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 no. Not King's Quest. Not from oh, no, 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 no. Uh, King's Field. No, not that. First this person is... dungeon thingy? No, this was a cute action platform where you play as a little fox who's a knight. I think it's Kingsley. Like his name is Kingsley. I think. I have to double check that. I've looked into it before and I've forgotten. Since you and then. I were talking about this last time, right? I, so. yeah, I think I mentioned. Are you it. sure it's PlayStation and not like Kingsley's was, Adventure? Does that mean anything to you? It's, it's a little fox. fox. Kingsley's Adventure. Yeah, yes. that sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I think I rented that game on a whim once from Blockbuster, and like I was just obsessed with it for a while. Yeah, that's the other thing I was gonna mention too. Renting video games. Renting games was huge Renting and games. also terrible for me because I didn't <laughs> live next to a Blockbuster. I lived next to a convenience store who rented games, but they yeah. are always scratched to hell. The amount of times I walked back and forth from my grandma's house just trying to see if any of the games would work <laughs> is astounding. Like, I am so uh. fascinated with Breath of, Fi- Breath of Fire 3. Never played it. Past like, the first, uh, like, 10 minutes. The biggest thing that sucked about that, too, was when I was a kid, and we didn't have a Blockbuster for a long time, and the only places you could rent games were the... There was a few video stores that rented games, but they usually didn't have a very big library. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a grocery store at the time that rented video games too. Mm-hmm. But there was always, 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 they either didn't have a very good selection or you would see that they had a slot for like that damn dark diehard game. You wanted to play like maximum carnage. Like I want to play maximum carnage, but it was never there yep. ever. <laughs> I think I, never... I remember a grocery store carrying super Nintendos and they had Mario RPG and super Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And I finally convinced my mom to let me like get one or dad or whoever. And they're like, all right, pick one off the shelf. And I pick Super Godzilla. Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I've played it. I know. <laughs> I'm nostalgic for it, but God, what a choice, right? Mm. Yeah. But I remember that too. Like, I there's so <laughs> many games that I would have never played if it wasn't for rentals. And like, I remember just being so obsessed with the FX chip when that came out. Like FX mm. chip games for the Super Nintendo. I'm like, I had to play Stunt Racer FX. I loved that game. And then Star Fox came out. I love Star Fox and yeah. There's... How soon do you think you were aware of the tech of games? Like at what point were you like, ah, super FX chip. That's where it's at. It was probably about that time when I started to put together the notion of like, ah, 16 bits. 
the mm. thing has 16 bits of process. Like I didn't know all the nomenclature yeah. back then, but it was my ability at the time to start thinking about the power. I don't think I was aware of that stuff until like P- late PS1, maybe PS2. Mm. But even as a kid, when we went from Super Nintendo to N64, I was like, this is worse. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to play my 2D <laughs> games more than I do my 3D games. I mean, I was initially impressed with the 64 when it came out. The first time I played mm-hmm. Mario 64, I was like, oh, wow, this looks so good. It's so incredible. And then games like Turok came along, and I'm like, it's all chunky and blocky, but it looks cool. I like it, you know. But Smash the, I was like, one. yes, Smash Bros. was so good. Like, yeah. I was aware of the, the Turbo, the FX chip. I was aware. I knew that was a thing that those games were utilizing Interesting. back then. So, Because hmm. I, I think was, Tech TV became a thing around late ps1 early ps2 and that's when i started like understanding like the game industry i don't think i came across tech tv until later though and uh, like i don't think i remember we didn't have cable we had a satellite dish so yeah, it was woo. <laughs> I, I did not care about any of the intricacies until at least high school other than that I was like was it fun shut up was it fun that's all i cared about <laughs> i was reading reviews and yeah. like looking at guides and like looking at game news and reading game informer and stuff that was definitely yeah. high school for me yeah, yeah yeah absolutely i had a subscription to game pro game informer any and every magazine I PlayStation get older, magazine i got yep. every time we went to a grocery mm-hmm. store i was grabbing any magazine that had a demo disc in it yeah. mm-hmm. absolutely what really kind of opened up me again i'm a Right, I grew up fairly impoverished in one of the most impoverished states in one of the most impoverished counties in the entire U.S., uh, West Virginia, for anybody who who wants to know. But um, thankfully, there was a lot of secondhand markets like pawn stores, yard sales, and I was usually a console generation behind. So my dad would come home with like stacks of NES games that he got for 20 bucks. And it was great because I that's where I learned like. I like variety when I play games. Like I don't like playing the same thing over and over and over again, except for very few select titles, which explains the ADHD that I've suddenly <laughs> like realized I probably have. Um, so I, I oh, played I'll like, tell you, don't worry. <laughs> the, the original Ninja Turtles. I played um, a, re- a first time I understood what a bad video game was, was Orb 3D on the NES. That game's horrible. I don't even know what's going on in that game. Mm. It bad. I played uh, the original ET games, so... Ooh. Uh, Wizards and Warriors 2, the one with Fabio on the cover, I played a crap ton of that. Uh, Castlevania, like, the <laughs> I NES, I had all these, like, hand-me-down things. Same thing happened with the Super Nintendo and the Game Boy and so on and so forth. And so I, I just... I always loved variety. I played such a, like, varied mix of things. I borrowed, like, consoles from people. That was a big thing. Good time. My cousins and I would kind of interchange, so each of us would get a different console, and then it's like, yeah. But I always got short-ended. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, here, try this one. Never got the console. You but dicks. the games I spent the most time with probably was the Game Boy, Link's Awakening DX, Pokemon Silver. <sighs> I would play those in the woods while hunting on mute. You want to talk about a satisfying way to just sit in the woods, sitting in a tree stand with just your Game Boy? doing your little adventure or whatever and just listening for deer to show up that's pretty enjoyable i'd still do that (laughs) i don't bow hunt as often anymore but that's what i would do i would get home from school climb a tree and then wait for deer and usually not see anything but i'd play a lot of zelda (laughs) i i loved my game boy too uh it's so funny too because like you mentioned zelda like I had my Game Boy as a kid. Like, I remember getting the Game Boy and be like, oh, my God, I can play video games on the go. And I had, like, the big-ass fanny pack that you kept the Game Boy in. 
and i, I had like, a blastoise this on is it. so cool and then uh <laughs> I was like super obsessed were, with the were Jurassic you rad? Park. <laughs> you were rad, weren't you? Absolutely rad. <laughs> super rad. Tubular. Bring back like the we little pouches. Yeah. I love these things. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, that's like all the hidden levels in Super Mario World. They hit like all those ridiculous words. Okay, so when I was a kid, my cousin came over. I rarely see this cat. I don't even know where this dude is anymore. Uh, he was from Ohio, which was like this mystical far off land to me when I was a child. He came in one time and was like, oh, you got all these video games. Sick. Do you want to play Mario 3? And I'm like, sure. And he's like, the the whistle was my favorite part. And I'm like, what whistle? Mm. And he proceeds to show me the part where you like drop down from the background and get the whistle. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what do you mean you can do this? <laughs> and then I was like, well, do you know how to beat Mario World? I can't do it. You have to get the cape. I, I And it's hard. And he's like, what do you mean you have to get the cape? Throw up. And I'm like, what do you mean throw up? He's like, take your shell and throw it up. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> I never knew. I played the entire game, had no idea. And then like, because I was trying to grab the, the, the cape, run real fast, and then fly up and drop it as a little flyby. Mm. And that's hard to do. But if you throw, just grab the, the little Mecha Koopa and throw them upwards, it's like a super easy boss fight. So people showing me little tricks was something that I just adored from my childhood. I thought about that earlier, too. I was thinking about all the things that I've learned about games, and I'm like, how did I figure that out, or how did I learn about that, especially pre-internet? Because there's so mm -hmm. many things about games like that that mm -hmm. I either figured out on my own, heard somewhere, read somewhere, or just know, and I don't remember how I know it. Yeah. Like, even the, uh, the trick in Metal Gear Solid to put your controller in the second port on the sure. PlayStation... Mm -hmm. I never experienced the game telling you to do that until recently, but I knew to do it as a kid somehow. And I, I think don't it's remember. in the manual what is, or something. What is the trick on that? There's a boss fight against the, one of the enemies where you actually have to take your controller out of the number one port and put it in port number two, because otherwise the boss, you cannot hit him because he reads your mind and He's sees psychic. all the attacks coming. Psychomantis. Yeah. By, cool by, by the way, just, so that's actually just to blow your mind even farther. <laughs> that is the only time in that game that you can do that with port two. Yeah. You cannot do it before and you cannot do it after. It only works for that fight. Oh yeah. It's cool, man. Yeah. What? <laughs> that <laughs> is so cool. This is something Nick and I talked about offline earlier today. We we're talking yeah. about Nick playing Metal Gear because he's never played the games. We're like, yeah, we're gonna have to do that. I did that recently. That's a fun experience. Um yeah, yeah, I need to give it a try. So much. Uh, I was going to... I need to rewind real quick because I was going to say there was a time when I got my Game Boy as a kid and my grandma, being a grandma, was like, I don't know what to get him. So she most likely walked into a Toys R Us said, my kid's got a Game Boy. What do I get him? And they're like, here's the hot game that's available right now. And she gave me Link's Awakening. Mm. The original Sweet. Link's Awakening. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what the game was supposed to be. I didn't know how to play the game. I walked around that starting village for days. <laughs> I got frustrated and turned it off and said, I'm never playing this game again. Thanks, Grandma. I figured it out because I think I read the manual. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Link's a, or Link to the Past was my first exposure to that franchise. And a friend of mine was like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. We have this really big strategy guide. It's got all these secrets. It's really neat. And then, uh, so when I saw that the Game Boy version of Zelda was available, I'm like, oh, well, maybe that, that'd be the thing to get. And I, I 
that's one of my favorite Zelda games. Period. I went I back think... and played Link's Awakening They're and then so Link's good. Awakening King Two or Link's Awakening DX. It's easily one of my favorite Zelda games of all yeah. time. Now it holds up incredibly I, well. I think it's hilarious that the first time I played, I was like, "I don't get this. What do I do?" You know, and I just I gave up on <laughs> Final Fantasy Tactics for me. I didn't know that when you place your little soldier dudes before each match, that uh, you could pick more soldier dudes by pressing the shoulder buttons. So I was like, this is the hardest video game I've ever played in my life because I would sit down Ramza and then Delita would show up and that's all I had. <laughs> and that first fight is really hard if you just have the two dudes. Mm. Like, this game sucks. This game's so impossible. Making it Dark Souls hard on yourself. And then a friend who right. knew it was like, put down more units. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> what? There, I've, I've definitely had those kinds of things. Most of the stuff that I learned was from other people, but also mm -hmm. like Dan and I have talked about this extensively and I have brought it up on the show before several times that uh, this is why modern games kind of piss me off because <laughs> it's like there was one, maybe two games that you had to play when you were a kid. That was it. You had the time to be able to spend, expend. Yeah hours upon hours mm -hmm. upon hours to learn one level exactly where and when you're supposed to jump how far you're supposed to go just to make that one little thing count that now i'm like are you fucking serious do you have any <laughs> idea how many what my backlog looks like just, no no i don't care i don't want to do that just teach me now yeah now we need <laughs> strategy that that, that uh, yeah. anyway, patience is lower again. i hear tunic recreates that through its game design yeah but um so there's there's a couple like standout moments to me in my childhood uh, that kind of define the types of games that I like. It's getting that stack and the variety. It's doing the Game Boy thing and playing on the go and kind of just always having video games on the mind. Uh, but there was a moment where I was hanging out with my buddy Timmy and he knows the story well. And his sister was older than us. And I thought she was very cool because she sat down and she's like, Tim, I need I want to use a PlayStation for a little bit. I know you guys are like hanging out or whatever, but I'd love to use a PlayStation. And I'm like, oh, well, what are you playing on it? And she goes, I'm playing Final Fantasy VIII right now and Legend of Dragoon, and I'm stuck on both. And I'm like, well, maybe me and Tim can help figure it out. We were like nine or ten or whatever. And so she loads up Legend of Dragoon, the Viragia, the Virage fight that's shortly followed by like the Fire Phoenix thing. I specifically remember the, the scenes and just the way the like characters came together and all the different animations and how the cool the Dragoon outfits were. And then I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. What is this? And she's like, these are RPGs. Mm -hmm. If you like this, I have more things to show you. And so she pulled out Final Fantasy VIII, showed me all the different summons. She pulled out Final Fantasy VII, showed me those animations and everything. Ah. Did nine. And I'm like, I need these. How do I find these? Down the rabbit hole. And so from <laughs> that point on, and then it occurred to me, well, this is Final Fantasy IX. Where's the other eight? And that's when I got into video game history because I was I asked that question to myself. I Googled it or whatever the equivalent asked Jeeves at the time or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that they had remade Final Fantasy one and two for the PlayStation. So I went to Toys R Us. I got that DS and a copy of Final Fantasy Origins for twenty dollars. And I loved that copy of Final Fantasy. And that's where I got into like, I want to know where games come from. This was accentuated by the introduction of emulators, which I wrote about. In SNES Omnibus Volume 1, which is a lot of these stories are going to be in that book as well. Um, uh, all right. All right. We have to do it now. 
Uh, Couchsurf does not condone any usage of any kind of emulation or anything that is deemed as uh, non-purchasables by anybody anywhere at any time. Thank you very much. Continue the show. Sorry. Sorry, it's a thing. We got to... <laughs> so I was I emulating all my favorite PlayStation 1 games the other day. And I showed... Mike sounds I... so good. <laughs> it really does well for you, it man. It sounded perfect, actually. That was like you. People are gonna think that's like professional voiceover. So, anyways, I was showing Louis last week how to do emulation. Yeah, uh, so I did it <laughs> in high school. We had this thing called uh, the Career Center, and this is the first time I like had a classroom with people from outside of region. And so it was like our county, and then the neighboring county, and we went kind of in the middle. And there was like a tech center, and there was a networking class, and there was computer hardware stuff. And we like all these incredibly smart like Glenville kids came over. And they were like winning competitions and hacking shit and doing all this. <laughs> and of course, I was still learning like the basics of computers. And I was like, oh, God, do you know what I remember playing? Pokemon. I, I And I wish I could finish Super Metroid. I don't have my cartridge anymore. And not even looking up. This kid across the room playing Unreal Tournament land together with three or four of the other kids from their county goes emulate it over mm. his shoulder. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> A lot of my stories start with, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And so he, he explained to me what this magical thing was. And that is why I'm a game journalist and a games media today, because again, what other Metroid games are there? What other Final Fantasy games are there? I could emulate Game Boy Advance, arcades, Super Nintendos, like anything basically before the N64 I could do on my crappy little Windows XP computer, which I also learned how to write on. And so I was just like, taking in as much as i could like give me every single little game i played like rom hacks fan translations uh that's how i played all the fire emblems that are not available in the states and so like i have since that time always been a staunch defender of emulation i think it's very important it's the best method of game preservation there is honestly yes well, yeah, yeah companies aren't going to do that, so we might as well. Choose. I wanted to shout out because I was going to say you unlocked the core memory for me too. Because now I'm remembering back in the day in like sixth grade during computer lab, whenever the computer or the teacher wasn't paying attention, the first thing we oh, all did was hop geez. onto emulation sites and we all started playing. Like that was the first time I ever played Metroid was emulating it on a website. They were like, "He oh shit, we're playing Metroid, bro!" So that, like that same <laughs> class, we all had these like workbooks we had to do. And we got it down to where each he'd be like, all right, do chapters 17 through 24. There were like six of us. Each of us would do a chapter. We would share each other's work. We would immediately play emulators and unreal. <laughs> and that was our See, now that is smart, dude. That is street smarts. He knew it. And he's like, you know what? School kids. That's clever. And y'all are learning about computers. So go for it. <laughs> dude, I remember being in like computer class where like the kids when I was in like I don't know, I, I guess you'd call it middle school. Um, but like the kids in high school, they were doing computer classes and they installed like, like when the teacher wasn't looking, they installed a bunch of games on the computers and then we would get in there like 10 years old. We'd like, let's try these games out. I remember they emulated, uh, I think it was Tekken 2. And Ooh. you could play it like co-op or on the same keyboard. So like, you know, like the one guy's on the side of the keyboard, the other guy's on the side. That. And we're just like yep. mashing buttons and thinking this is the greatest thing we've ever played. <laughs> it was just the coolest thing and then like guys installed uh the half-life uh half-life and that whole like base where it came with counter-strike and blue shift and like, a whole bunch of things and we ended up playing that multiplayer as well and they're like this is just that this is the coolest thing ever <laughs> oh man that was a cool memory unlock for me That's as well did, computer uh... class in school dude yes my computer class sucked 
<laughs> you were like, all right. I was I waiting for Louis like, right, way here comes than you. my whopper of computer lab <laughs> stories. That was an important class for me too. Was typing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like, I, I, I was, I was the show off in that class because I could, I could outtype anybody. And then the other kids from like the advanced classes came in and like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm and very we, mediocre. Mm-hmm. Cool. We had a couple for... kids who could hit like upper 150s. There, we had one dude who pushed 200, and we're like, "This is insane." I, I, I was like at like 70, and I'm like, "Yeah, bitches suck it." And then like, yeah, the 130 and the 150 guys came in, and I'm like, "Yeah, oh, I'll leave." There's the door. But I remember getting like an Xbox 360 controller, plugging it in, mapping it to emulation, and it just working. And I was like, "This is incredible." And then I also got like a little USB Super Nintendo style controller that I used a lot. But we played a lot of um, like the beat em ups and fighting games uh, like Marvel's Capcom 2 and Street Fighter Alpha 3 and Third Strike. And then uh, the Capcom Dungeons and Dragons beat em up was a favorite in, in my friend group. We had so much fun with that. I wanted to ask as well, Dan, you're talking about you got uh, Link's Awakening as a gift from someone. I wanted to say, like, what cool gifts did you get as a kid, like, from family members? I'll never forget one year for my birthday. I think it was in, like, 2005 when this came out. I got, uh, my grand went into a video game store, and she's like, my, my, my grandson, he plays PlayStation 2. I know that. But, like, what's, like, the newest, coolest game or whatever? And uh, on my birthday, I get this, like, I know it's a game because you can see the shape, and mm-hmm. I open it. My grandmother bought me Devil May Cry 3. Yo, and I was like, nice. and it had Damn. just, it had just, just because my birthday is in February, and that game came out in like I think February or somewhere around there. And I saw my grand in like the middle of March. So that game was like two, three weeks old, and I had Devil May Cry 3. Basically, I played it the whole weekend. I went to school on Monday and said, guys, guess what I played this weekend? And everyone was like, here, dude. Because how, oh, dude, dude, that's Devil May awesome. Cry 3 as well. It's like, oh, it's so good. See, I'm sad to report that. Other than the fact that my grandmother got me Link's Awakening, which I did not know what it was, so I didn't appreciate it at the time, I don't think I've ever received a video game as a gift that I didn't ask for specifically. No. Ever. Same. It's such a magical thing. My because, grandma found me Gomon's Great Adventure uh, on N64. Well, yeah, like, oh my god, Gomon. Oof, that's I know. Oh. I was like, this is a banger. Good so, job, dude. I grew grannies, up a- grannies know what to buy, bro. I grew yeah. up in a town and with a family who was like, they they looked down on video games very negatively. So it was very, it was very much like I only got video games when I asked for them for like my birthday and Christmas. And that's yeah. it. Like that's, I got the games I asked for pretty much. Yeah. That's about it. My dad exactly. always was harsh on it. Even in college when I was like, dad, eventually I'm going to work in games. I called him recently and was like, dad, I made it. And he's like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> You proved me wrong because I didn't think you would do it, and here you are. Uh, but like, even though yeah. he was like really, he was really harsh about like the time I spent with games. He would always get me games. So, and he was a big electronics guy, and he loved the Atari when he was younger. And and so, like, the reason I have games is because he got the regular Nintendo. Mom and Dad did, and you know that's that's how I got into it. I just I was at the age of literally two, I was playing the NES. Mm. um but uh the the gift giving thing is kind of a an interesting thing because i remember around like my fifth birthday for one christmas i got a game boy with like kirby and jurassic park and uh donkey kong land 2 and so the game boy was like a big part of that i got some power rangers that year i got a bike Mm -hmm. that same year and then i got a puppy 
It was literally like the best Christmas present ever, and I was very spoiled that year. I don't know what happened or what I did to <laughs> receive such a like cavalcade of gifts. All I know is I think Dad was mad that uh, Mom spent so much money. So like that was a thing. I think but, uh, the closest, it was a great Christmas. I think the closest I can come to a gift that I wasn't expecting at least was our Super Nintendo, mm. because uh, I think we we had an Atari. And we had a Nintendo, but I don't remember how we came about getting those. I think they might have been hand-me-downs or pawn shop purchases or like they were given to us by people that we know because I remember just having those. Yeah. But I distinctly and will always fondly remember the Christmas that we got our Super Nintendo because A, I had no idea where you were getting it. And B, it was that after we've opened everything, it's like last surprise gift where you know everything was already done we did all the presents and then like my mom was like oh we got to show you guys something downstairs and she opened the door to the the basement and boom there's a super nintendo sitting at the top of the stairs and we're just like uh, what you know like, yep. there was that one you know time that we had with that <laughs> so yeah i'll never forget the day my my dad came home with the with the playstation one like it was like mm -hmm. we we, didn't, we weren't like we didn't have like a lot of money, but we had like no video game consoles at the time. We had nothing. And I always went over to my friend's house and played like their, their PlayStations, their GameCubes, whatever they had. So like, I was like, oh man, I wish I had a game console at home or something. Yeah. And then my dad came home the one day with like this massive box. And then we we're like, what the hell's he got? What the hell's he got? It's like, hey, it's a PlayStation 1. And my sister and I just like freaked out. We were so excited. We like hooked it up, took like, 45 minutes because the PlayStation 1 was so confusing. <laughs> but that was just yeah, like the coolest moment, man. And, you know, we like, <clears throat> I remember my sister never really cared for video games. And so any of the video game stuff came, came to me. I remember getting the PlayStation 1. I got the PlayStation 1 with Crash Bandicoot. Because nice. it was that, it mm. was that new. And they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want the little screen for them. I want one of those. For, uh, yeah, dude, those yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, and then um, <laughs> so that that was it's, one of them. That's the slim. It is. Yeah, yeah, that that's the yeah the upgraded version. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got I got the original one. Uh, I remember that, uh, but I also kind of remember a little bit that my dad was still into those things too. Like, yep. When he got the Nintendo, the NES, I was like, like you, yeah, I, I was like maybe four or five, I want to say, and. uh it was it wasn't for me. It yeah. was not for me. Yeah, that was for his ass. Yeah, like, Fair enough. Yep. When you get home from school and like you see him playing your toy, you're like, Dad. When my dude, hey, when my Dad. parents split up, he uh he got Look, a PlayStation yeah. so that I'd have something to do at his house, and he had a wrestling game and a hunting game. <laughs> He's oh, like, yeah. I, you know, they're fun. I've given them a go. Yeah, he bought me games, and yep. then you know I come back and see him play like you son of a but dad. when the, when it was like when the n64 and the playstation 1 hit the market the ps1 a lot of people don't remember this but it was the bargain option because mm. the games are cheaper by a mm. lot and so when i was like oh i want to get the new video game console and dad's like oh which which one you know there's a couple different ones and so the walmart kiosks and stuff you play on those i'm like oh i really want an n64 and dad's like are you sure uh they're expensive and every <laughs> single game is twice as expensive as the ps1 i really would love for you to get the ps1 instead and so i saved all my money i got the n64 i couldn't even afford a game i sat that box in my bedroom <laughs> for like six months 
and then finally got Smash Brothers. Like it was, it was horrible. Brutal. <laughs> I I think uh. the only reason why I got the PlayStation over the Xbox, um, apart from the fact that that was what my parents. I, now now thanks for ruining that illusion. I'm like, oh, they love me. They're like, no, you're a cheap bastard. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> now now like like like, um, I actually I remember thinking like the N64 is fantastic. It's got some phenomenal games. But I just liked the PlayStation because I, I had done Mario, better I had done afterwards. Legend of yep. Zelda, yeah. But I and ever since mm-hmm. I was a PlayStation guy, even when Xbox came out, it did not turn my head. And I always Fire knew out. that I like these in like uh, they're not independent. I like these games that are specified toward individual, and that's what mm-hmm. I was about PlayStation. Now everything has changed. Um, I knew that Xbox was always about the community. That's great for mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. It had the hardest processor that could actually keep up with it. And then Nintendo was for the whole family. And I was like, no, fuck all of you guys. I want to play these games only for me and nobody mm-hmm. else. So PlayStation it was. <laughs> it's the better option. It's yeah. the selfish system. But I Final love Fantasy it. Tactics, all the Final Fantasies, uh, Spyro. I yeah. loved Gundam Battle Assault 2 just for the visuals. I thought that game was sick. Ooh. Mega Man X5, still one of my favorite games, even though it's like the one most people dislike. <laughs> Dude, Mega Man Legends, like the the amount of games on the PS One that I think are still fantastic is staggering. Great, I'll, I, I want to have a cut you off real quick because we do actually have another section to talk about some of our Uh-oh. favorite games that were not necessarily oh, yeah. good games, uh, and we're uh-huh. we're kind of going down that hole. So I was like, let's let's go ahead and transition to now some of the games that we might have loved as kids that might not have been great too, but we're still just going to talk about the games that we love. <laughs> Got an underrated one. I've read about this in the SNES Omnibus. Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse, Super Nintendo. It was made by Capcom. Mm, I have so many fond memories playing that with my cousins. I think I played that game. I think I played that game. Like a platformer. It's got a great art direction. It's so cute. Yeah, it's a side-scroller. There's incredible boss fights. It's like a challenging game, but not like extremely hard. Around that same time. So many good games back then. Yeah, around that same time, I got into Street Fighter because, you Mm. know, stack of games. We had some stuff. And so my cousin came over and he brought Mickey Mouse and I'm like, this is incredible. I love this. He brought Donkey Kong. I'm like, this is incredible. And then I had Street Fighter and that's when we learned like, oh, we love fighting games. So we played that and TMNT Tournament Fighters for hours. And that was the only like fighting game person I could like play with because nobody in my community wanted to play fighting games. We didn't even have arcades in most places. And so, like, me and my cousin playing Street Fighter on, on the Super Nintendo was my exposure to fighting games. And, like, I've been in kind of, like, fascinated by them ever since. Oh, yeah. I got Super Nintendo fighting games, too, with Street Fighter. And I remember playing pretty much any and every fighting game I could get my hand on. And there were some bad ones. <laughs> I don't think then. Mortal Kombat's very good. Mm-mm. No, the original Mortal Kombat? No. <laughs> Primal Rage, I always wanted It to was like. gimmicky. Mm-hmm. I remember Primal Rage. I remember playing that on the Super Nintendo. And I was super obsessed with it because I'm like, oh, it's got monkeys and dinosaurs and they yeah. battle and there's blood. I got to play this. Do you remember Biofreaks or Mace on the N64? I know Bio them, Freak but I don't think I've ever really played those. Familiar. I, I played them and I was like, oh, fighting games are worse <laughs> when they come to 3D. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, let me try to think. Of, uh, oh, right. Um, I was actually just talking to my cousin about this. He had uh, the Die Hard trilogy. And we loved that game. And, and when then, I, yeah, then I grew dude. up. Yeah, we talked about this. I grew <laughs> up and I was like, 
this was like one of the worst rated games like ever <laughs> everyone was like it's dog shit is horrible but it's so bad. fun i was like you who would it? give this game a bad score are you kidding <laughs> have you played it die hard oh my god that's yeah. apocalypse this was the trilogy one this was yeah, yeah. trilogy. Well, this is a whole separate game, but it's got Bruce Willis in it. That's yeah, 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 yeah. But man, like we used to, we were obsessed with. No, I had that game. too. I had the Die Hard trilogy. Yeah, that's the one where there's like different game types per there's movie. Three game types: Die Hard that's One, cool. Two, and Three. They're all different games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all completely separate. But Die Hard One was the best one. And uh, like, there's Star Wars. Avengers, how many, how many uh, hostages you save like per level? And mm-hmm. like we always laughed because there's one hostage that is always inevitably just on fire. So it shows you like every individual hostage that you save. And it's just one guy just in flames, just standing there patiently waiting. And then he just walks away. And, <laughs> yeah, like, like it's, there was, it is dumb now that I think about it. But at the time, it was fantastic. Are you talking about the high score screen at the, the end where you see all this, the, yes. the survivors? And then you got to like shoot the letters of your name to put in your high score. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Nick's yeah, Digimon 2 so revelation earlier. I think that game is terrible, but by God, I loved all those Digimon World games. Mm. One and three are still like they they warm my little heart. Dude, I just I just searched it to see like if I could find the pictures to see like what the gameplay looks like. This is the damn game. I've been wondering what the name of this game is for years, Alex. Boom. This is I'm what happens when you bring it on the that. show. You just name a thing that you want to find, and I'll probably know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah, I once oh, heard yeah, about man. this game, and you're just like, yeah, that's uh, oh oh god, okay, yeah, that's cool. the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you I didn't even describe it yet. I just said I, I played something once. <laughs> oh, you mean? Oh, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Digimon Rumble Arena. I was like, that game sucks. Yeah, it's I, had, so I think the only one I played was Digimon World One. I remember having like a similar experience of like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. This is really freaking complicated. I, I don't know. It's still what, complicated. Like, oh my god! Like it baffled me. Like I pre-ordered. I think that was one of the first games I ever pre-ordered. Oh, so like, oh Digimon! <gasps> I gotta have it. And then like I bought it and I started playing it and I'm like. I, I don't know what to do. I'm lost and I'm confused and this uh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> it was either Resident Evil 5 or Final Fantasy 13 that I remember pre-ordering. One was a great experience and one was a very disappointing experience. <laughs> of those two games, I, I'm curious to know which one because a lot of people have very oh, negative RA5. feelings on both of those games. RE5 but, was definitely the game yeah. that I like actually enjoyed thoroughly mm-hmm. at the time. Um, Final Fantasy 13 made me mad because I didn't like it as much as I had hoped, and I also spent not only the like full sixty dollar price, but I also bought the strategy guide. So I spent like ninety dollars on this thing, <laughs> and it yeah. dropped in price like immediately. Yeah, oh. I, I I I hated that game. Uh, the the there was one. Um, what was I thinking about? That there was there was a game. <laughs> <We're Dan. laughs> oh right, um, uh, Xenogears. I hate mm. that I have to say. This. I hate that I say this. Xenogears is like one of the classics. It's one of the best games ever. I understand that, but I was not, I wasn't prepared. Okay. I need you to understand this. I wasn't ready because <laughs> like I went from Final Fantasy VII to I need to play every one of these games and all of them are relatively happy. There's some dark moments, but they're like way down the line. This game like starts with the whole village dying and you see a kid, you know, broke it in, in your yep. arms and it's like yeah that and everyone blames you go kill yourself Xenogears. like whoa came starting mm. i'm not ready for this mom yeah i remember i got to that point because all i had was the demo i played the demo like a billion times and i loved every second of it 
And then I got the damn game. I rented it, thank God. And I got through that first part of the village and I was just like, drop the remote. Just walked out of the room. I, was like, I don't I don't need this. I don't, I'm like seven. I don't need this. This sucks. I'm trying to remember the yeah. first time a game I was like emotionally like struck by. <laughs> I think it might have been Final Fantasy VII, honestly. Or Legend of Dragoon is one of the two because there's two Legend major character deaths so in, in either good. game. Yeah, the death of in the of uh, is it Alfred in Legend of Dragoon? No, Lavitz. Alfred's the Lavitz, right? Alfred replaces him, doesn't he? I was hurt by that one because yeah. he was one of my favorite characters. My boy. first username ever were Lavitz one hundred five. That was my first username. Yeah, that that one that one uh, like, but at least in those games again, like it took a while to get to Xenogears starts <laughs> like straight you up. I mean, Legend of Dragoon starts with your whole village on fire and being murdered. Yeah, but it didn't yeah. feel as it didn't feel painful. as full. Yeah. Feel the same, as, yeah, dude. I like spent countless hours trying to figure out how to keep Aerith alive. Game sharks, walkthroughs, oh, yeah. hidden playground secrets. Oh, Guess dude, what? it really bothered me. Like that she they hidden playgrounds. Oh my god! Oh my god! I remember that. No, no, no. You have to go behind the big head, and like there's a there's yep. a box back there that you get materia. And you could save her life. I remember that. Oh There's my so god! So many little little tricks, <laughs> and none of it worked. But a game shark would work, and I spent hours putting in codes trying to get things to work just to save her. And so when remake came out, and she survives through the entire thing, and kind of acknowledges that like maybe she knows in another timeline that she bites it, I bawled. <laughs> I cried so hard at the end of remake. <laughs> so it, it really hit me emotionally. That might be the first time that happened. Mm. No, th- there have been, been a few. De- definitely yeah, uh, Last of Us. Mm. La- La- Last of Us. A little that, later, like, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like that, by that point, I had already kind of known what these games could do. Yeah. But that one was the first mm. time that, like, I, I I remember for like at, at least five years, I had never heard the Last of Us theme song. Which is to this day, I, I could just put that shit on and just rock out to it while on my way to work. But I had not heard it because I was so, like, just destroyed by that mm-hmm. opening scene. That's and a very that, good scene. Yep. Oh, it's so perfect. It's so good. And I, I, I remember when I first got there, I was like, no, 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 no. That's that's not how. That's not how you do. No, you don't do it. And I'm just bawling. Yep. <laughs> no. That, that's what I was like, this is art. This is art. This is art. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. I think yeah. one of the one of the first games that like like really got me, which like we could do a whole episode about Half Life Three if we ever get it or anything like that. But the ending <laughs> to the the episode Half Life Two episode two that like DLC where uh Eli gets killed by that 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 machine it's so it's such an une- unexpected moment and I'm playing this game thinking like yeah this is super fun we're about to go and fight the, the big boss and then this thing rocks up and kills Eli and then it ends and it's just like this shocking emotional Jeez. moment and the fact that we still like what's it been 16 years and we still <laughs> don't get any closure like that just hurt dude and I remember, like, I played that, like, I think a year after it came out, and I was like, I was like, okay, when, when, when is, when is three? When is three? We need three. It's just like that was that just hit me because it was like three I need, came. I need the closure. I need 
them that's to why say what's three happening. will never come because you'll never get that closure so it'll always be that most <laughs> devastating moment in your life forever yeah i wanted to talk about one of the games that i played that like maybe not reviewed all all too well all the time but a game that i think was a huge or series that i think was a huge part of my childhood was the sonic the hedgehog games mm. i absolutely lived lived for these games like i played my i remember my grandmother bought a sega saturn and like i would go over to her house because she had sonic the hedgehog one and two and i just like that's like my my first gaming memories is playing that in my grandmother's house and i absolutely loved it then and i was going to say this earlier but it actually is a nice time to put it in here there's a lot of the consoles that you guys were talking about earlier that were never actually released here in south africa Mm. so we never got like the the n64 we never got the sega dreamcast uh i don't think we had the nes uh, there was like a lot mm-hmm. of those consoles, and the biggest one for me was that we never got the Sega Dreamcast, mm. so I never got to play Sonic Adventure ah, because that Sonic was not Adventure. available on any oh. other platforms. And I'll never ever forget my mom was at a, she was at a store or something, and uh, she saw like this magazine with Sonic on the cover, and it was a Dreamcast like walkthrough guide. I think she was like overseas and sort overseas or something, but it was a Dreamcast walkthrough guide. And one of the walkthroughs in the magazine was Sonic Adventure. And I read through that like a novel, like multiple, multiple times. And I was just yep. like, I was kind of vicariously playing this game <laughs> through the magazine. It was so great. And then eventually like back in, I think 2017, I finally got Sonic Adventure on the PS3. And I was like, okay, this probably, this probably oh, sucks because it's like an old game. But I loved every single second of playing that game. It's like the coolest thing. And, yes. I mean, I, I was able to play. Yes, like, I love the closure of the story. It was such a happy it's ending. So good. <laughs> Some of my favorite games, though, were like those those early two thousand Sonic games that, like, maybe are not the best reviewed. Some of them, but like Sonic Adventure Two mm-hmm. was so good. My friend had a GameCube. I was able to finally play that. And then, like, Sonic Heroes was amazing. Everyone like that's. I mean, that's one of the good ones, really. But then there's the two: the Shadow the mm-hmm. Hedgehog and. Uh, Sonic 06. Now, I know everyone's going to say Sonic 06, terrible video game. At the time, dude, I loved it. It was like the coolest <laughs> thing I can look back on now and be like, it's a terrible video game. It's it's terrible. But I just, we some of my favorite memories are just getting her from ones. school <laughs> and playing it. <laughs> there's, some, there's some good parts of it, but yeah, it's Sonic. not a great video game, but I love it. Ah, Sonic's great. I remember being fascinated so about much. things that weren't available in my region. That's oh yeah, the, just, just the, yeah, that, that was it. The, the yeah. exclusivity that like like the, they did an entire episode about that on Frasier that they were like you know like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 you have to make mm-hmm. yeah you have to you have to make a bar that is like completely inaccessible. We're not going to put a name on it. There's going to be like guards at the front door. It's going to be locked. We're not going to let anyone in. And they're, they're just, the the exclusivity is what gives it that that drive. Mm-hmm. And there is yeah. a lot of that. I, I follow a lot of uh, YouTubers that talk about like you know like the hard to get games, and the games always yeah. suck. There's yeah. a reason why they're hard to get. Nobody wanted them, but they're like, mm-hmm. but it exists. There's a lot uh, of uh, to get those. so back uh, in the day when I was talking about how like ooh, where's the other eight Final Fantasies? Uh, when I found out that three was only in Japan, I was really distraught by that. And so when they announced the DS version, it was a big deal to me. And when I got it for Christmas one year, I loved it. I never beat it, but man, that game was cool. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Come on. I'm so glad that Sonic story <laughs> ended the way it did. That was, yeah, was literally really yeah. you see, like, did you ever play Sonic? Did you get to play? Did Sonic? you get there? I finally Tell got to you play, got it. dude. I I still love 
I still love Adventure, man. I still recommend it to anyone. Adventure's the best Sonic game. Sonic Adventure was the it's, first game so I good. got with my Dreamcast. I'm still crossing my fingers and just hoping that Sega eventually says, you know what? Fuck it. Sonic Adventure Remake. Let's make it happen. Because that would be so. Shit. I'm just so upset with Sonic Team because they just seem to they keep making silly decisions, but we'll see where it goes. Say yeah. I haven't looked into this myself, but I I keep seeing on Twitter people are like, oh, I wish Sega would have made Sonic Adventure three, and then they'll retweet the the iOS one that just came out, and they're like, oh, maybe they already have. So maybe check out the Apple Arcade because apparently that might that might be it. Oh man, Sonic Adventure. Like I remember being Dude, like waiting oh, for man. my Dreamcast, pre-ordering the Dreamcast, pre-ordering Sonic Adventure. Speaking and that was like I played the bejesus out of that game. I recently went back to Sonic Adventure and tried playing the HD version that's on Xbox. And I'm like, oh, this is so fun. But goddamn, has it not aged well? <laughs> Have you like, all heard of Spark yeah, the Electric really Jester? Spark? Where, okay. Spark the electric jester. Is there a chat thing in this? I, don't I gotta ask you, where where the hell do you hear these games? What do you <laughs> I mean I work in PR for a reason, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. hey, have, you gonna, heard, uh, have you ever heard of Spark Plugs uh, Spark Plugs and the Cugs? I'm gonna put it in the Twitch chat. <laughs> Nick, I need you to look at this at some point because the people who made Spark the Electric Jester basically were like, What if we made Sonic games like really good? And there's three <laughs> different ones. And the second two or three are very much inspired by Sonic Adventure, and I think you'd really dig them. I'll have to check them out. Have fun. They're cheap. Does anybody else have any uh, go- like old bad games that they absolutely loved from back in their I, kids? I kind of like Super Godzilla. Um, it was like a really confusing, hard-to-understand game, but just the fact that you know Godzilla was so big and you fight Biolante and yeah. you fight Ghidorah in the Tokyo Tower, like all that stuff was just. I so remember cool. being a kid and like finding out that there were Godzilla games. I think the first time I ever played one of the Godzilla games was through emulation in my computer mm. lab. Callback. <laughs> and I remember like, oh my God, Godzilla. And I booted it up and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. You, there's, there's like mm-hmm. a cut, there's like a cinema, there's a cutscene of him walking through a city. I don't really seem to have control over anything. It took a minute. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, you know, and I've recently replayed it and went (laughs) back to it. And I was like, it started to click after a bit, but then even still the combat's really confusing. And I'm like, how do I? It's a random element. It's so weird. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's definitely up there. Like, like my Godzilla PS4 game. Not great, but I love it. I wish I had that. (laughs) So here's an interesting one. When Melee came out, a buddy of mine brought over his GameCube and we set up my like, I had a fairly large closet in my grandma's house and we set it up to where like we had our sleeping bags in there and then the little TV at the feet and we'd sit in there and we'd play, you know, in our little like cave or whatever, (laughs) playing uh, Smash Brothers Melee. And I had my PlayStation downstairs. And I tell you what, the game we spent the most time was not Smash Brothers Melee, that extended break. Uh, it was Beyblade on the PS1 because it was just so damn funny. Like, Ooh. just playing Beyblade and hitting against each other and going back and forth. Can't say oh, Beyblade yeah. and not give me at least five seconds to go, Beyblade, Beyblade, Beyblade! Okay, go on ahead. It's such a great theme song, too. <laughs> that was hype, I'm not gonna lie. That, that shit was hype. It's got that Dude, like we could do a whole other show about like our favorite like TV shows from that era as well, yeah. like the Digimons. I don't know oh, why. Like, oh, damn it, we will. 
of an old game that popped in my head that I used to obsessively play when I was a kid was Cool Borders 3. Mm. Oh, dude! (laughs) Man, Cool Borders was awesome. There was that, and there was another game that I'm I can't, what is it? Oh my god. Um, SSX Tricky. Also snowboarding? No, it was a downhill it was a downhill racing game where you could either use skateboard or skates and you could play as just the most random creatures and characters. Ah, uh, why can't I think of was it? Was it a Disney thing? No. Okay. It was basically Cool Borders, but it was like a spinoff of it. Uh, oh, why can I not think of it? Ah, oh, it's driving me nuts. I had those games for the longest time. There was three of them, at least. Dude, extreme sports extreme. games are sick because it's like, oh, you've played enough Tony Hawk yeah. to unlock Mall. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You want to hear right. a funny uh, cheat code story that just kept popped in my hand looking at the PlayStation thing? Yeah. Uh, so cheat code books were a thing when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a buddy of mine yeah. had bought one and it called me up and said, hey, do you have any of these games? And he got to Spider-Man on the PS1. And I was like, oh, I've got Spider-Man. That game's cool. And he's like, I have a crap ton of cheat codes for you. And we went one by one and hit all these cheat codes. And then got to the very bottom, and he's like, all right, and this one's eel nats. It's for everything. I'm like, what do you mean everything? <laughs> and he goes, I guess it's for everything. I'm like, so what was all the other things for? <laughs> we spent 45 minutes on the phone putting in these codes one by one. At the very end, I could have saved so much time. And it never occurred to me that <laughs> eel nats is Stanley backwards until I was like well into adulthood. <laughs> I'll never forget it. <laughs> Uh, the the only thing that I can kind of compare with that one was uh, my a friend of mine in GTA 3 was like, would you stop eating out of the trash? Sorry, <laughs> love my dog. Uh, my, Man, you, your childhood was interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Uh, my, my uh, <laughs> there was, uh, what the hell was I saying? God damn it. Your friend with Grand Theft Auto 3. Grand Theft Auto 3, we we were putting in cheat codes and like we just kept on like adding all the cheat codes because they would just pile on top of one another. And then there was one where it was like, everybody is aggressive. Everybody (laughs) has a weapon. Everybody is invincible. And everybody has like a rocket launcher. Can you survive? (laughs) (laughs) Now, keep in mind, this is before a time that it was like really well known that you could break a system by overloading it with like so much information. And next thing we know, like we put in all those cheats and then he goes, all right, I'm going to push unpause. Here we go. Hold on to your ass. And he goes, unpause. And the game just goes, Mm -hmm. and you just see like the entire city go. (laughs) (laughs) it was just explosion and he tried surviving it and he's running away and there's this little old lady that comes out beats him to death shoots him with the rocket launcher and then it ends with her literally like like striding away (laughs) it was this little old lady it was the best moment in one of my lives i didn't know how to pronounce for a long time a friend of mine was telling me about grand theft auto 3 and i could have swore he said something in spanish and i was like what (laughs) and it took me a long time until i like saw it written out but i was like oh grand theft auto got it but to your explosion thing we were playing fallout 3 and my buddy got a ps3 and was like oh this thing is so cool and he's like trucking along and all of a sudden 
and the entire screen goes white and it crashes the game. And I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Turns out a, a super mutant had shot like a mini nuke or something and just blew his ass up. <laughs> oh, I rem- yeah, yeah. I remember my first encounter with one of those. Like I saw the guy and I just see a thing go. And then white. So memory, so many memories like that. So I'm sorry to cut everybody off, but we've gone massively off topic. We're going pretty long here. We kind of need to wrap things up. That's the problem when we get going like that. When things go off the rails, can't stop. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Nostalgia is a drug. Totally the drug. But yeah, so we're gonna. What do you mean we're done, man? No. Just like the last time you were here, Alex is like, all right, you got to come back for part dos. Oh, Did we have a part dose for the other no, one? Or we didn't, no, we didn't. No, we—it's coming up. <laughs> sequel. I slapped prequel. my arm really hard doing that joke. Commit to the bit. Damn it, that hurt. It looked like it. <laughs> Sounded like it. Anyways, thank you so much for hanging out with us this evening. Thank you, Alex, for joining us for this wonderful conversation. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Louis. Yo. Can I been... plug some stuff? As yeah, we absolutely. Yes, Let's sir. Do please, absolutely. Plug away. So, Forever Classic Games is my main creative outlet. Uh, we do fighting game streams here locally in Minnesota. We just were at the Midwest Mix Fest. It was awesome. Uh, but uh, over in foreverclassicgames.com, you can find an interview with Yuri Lerenthal, Tony Todd, and Naji Jeter that I collected here in Minneapolis at a convention, Twin Cities Con. And so that's there. And the full interview is available on our podcast, the Forever Classic Podcast. And there's a lot of cool things in the works. So yeah, nice. go check us out. And then I work for Stride PR and do cool stuff during the day, like Ghost Runner. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, thank you for making sure I let you do that because I was missing it. Anyways, <laughs> you're very welcome, sir. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you all next week. We got something special coming at you. Bye. Take care. Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo Season 2 based on the Watching Now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. (laughs) Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is is it over yet? Reach is f***ed. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive? She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. There's the water on this planet. What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew?